Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the CardiNerds, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with a mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And hey, hope you're enjoying the intro music, custom mix for CardioNerds by student doctor Hirsch Elhens, a.k.a. DJ Elhens, medical student at USC and CardioNerds Academy intern of House Thomas. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to section 4.3 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question will be asked by Dr. Miriam Bakhordorian, answered first by pharmacy resident Dr. Anushka Tandon, and then by expert faculty Dr. Kim Williams. Dr. Williams is chief of the Division of Cardiology and is professor of medicine and cardiology at Rush University Medical Center. He has served as president of ASNEC chairman of the board of the Association of Black Cardiologists and president of the American College of Cardiology. Everybody, welcome to the show. Your patient mentioned that she thinks several cups of coffee during the day. She also describes having a soda daily with lunch and occasionally a glass of wine with dinner. Which of the following recommendations is appropriate? Choice A. Coffee consumption is not harmful and may even be beneficial, regardless of number of drinks per day. Choice B. Drinking two glasses of wine per day is safe from a cardiovascular prevention standpoint. Choice C. Soft drinks and other sugar-sweetened beverages must be discouraged. Choice D. None of the above. So, Anishka, what do you think? Thanks for that question. Here, the correct answer is C. Soft drinks and other sugar-sweetened beverages must be discouraged. Sugar-sweetened beverages have been associated with a higher risk of coronary artery disease and all-cause mortality. The ESC guidelines give us a Class 1 recommendation for restriction of free sugar consumption, in particular sugar-sweetened beverages, to a maximum of 10% of our energy intake. This is a Class 2A recommendation in the ACC AHA guidelines. Choice A is incorrect because the consumption of nine or more drinks a day of non-filtered coffee, such as boiled Greek and Turkish coffee, or even some espresso coffees, can be associated with an up to 25% increased risk of ASCBD mortality. Moderate coffee consumption in the ballpark of three to four cups a day is probably not harmful and perhaps even moderately beneficial. I don't know about you, but that gives me some sense of relief. Choice B is incorrect. It is a class one recommendation to restrict alcohol consumption to a maximum of 100 grams per week. The standard drink in the U.S. contains 14 grams of alcohol, 
So 100 grams of alcohol actually translates to 84 ounces of beer, 56 to 63 ounces of malt liquor, 35 ounces of wine or one five fluid ounce glass of wine a day, or 31.5 ounces of distilled spirits. Of course, this varies by the percent alcohol that's contained in each type of liquor. The ACC AHA guidelines recommended limiting alcohol consumption for the management of hypertension to less than or equal to two drinks a day for men and less than or equal to one drink a day for women. So my main takeaway here is that ASCBD risk reduction can be achieved by restricting sugar-sweetened beverages to a maximum of 10% of daily energy intake. Dr. Williams, what are your thoughts on this? Thanks for asking this question. This is actually uh, a lot to unpack. And I would start with the question on coffee. And so option A, this is really kind of a surprise in the cardiovascular arena, something that we had to do an about face uh, for years until about 2015. We had been telling people in the cardiovascular space to avoid caffeinated beverages and caffeine because it stimulated the heart and was associated with arrhythmias. And people would have palpitations and they would have supraventricular tachycardia. And it was just on our list. Uh, then we learned there were some benefits to having three to four and even five cups of coffee. And I try really hard to do everything that the literature says that reduces mortality or anything. And so I actually started drinking coffee. It's not easy when you don't do it. And then all of a sudden you have to, but I understand I'm always asking my patients to do things that they're not comfortable with and haven't done. So I dove into it and I found enough almond milk and oat milk to make it palatable, but I do it, try to do it every day. So what is the data really about? It's reduction of diabetes, reduction of stroke, heart attack, mortality, and more recently, data on both atrial fibrillation and pancreatic cancer. And so her drinking a few cups of coffee per day is a good idea. And I understand that you can do anything to excess. And I also should point out that those little guidelines that, you know, recommendation doesn't apply to everyone. There are people who are poor caffeine metabolizers, a fair number of them. They tend to be in cardiology clinics because of the palpitations that they get at the drop of a hat. And if you're one of those people who's going to be up all night and jittery for a day and a half because you had a half a cup of coffee, really good idea to stay away from. Okay. On option B, the alcohol business, I was just very relieved. I think it was last week or week before where a large observational study came out and said there was no value to alcohol. I mean, this is so uh, relieving because I just can't stand drinking alcohol. And as I already told you that I basically enslaved myself to anything that has an outcomes trial in the nutrition and lifestyle space. And so I exercise like crazy, eat a total whole food plant-based diet and avoid, you know, sugary drinks, which we'll get to in a moment. And it was really hard to do alcohol based on what people called the French paradox. And it's been argued, was it resveratrol? And does it really have to be French? And well, the data was always sketchy. And now it's really been shown that we don't need it. So then the other side of that is how much can you tolerate? And yes, our 2017 hypertension guidelines, we did come down on less than two glasses and you outlined it very well, how much that really means because a glass for one person may not be a glass for someone else uh, and less than one for women. Well, if we had it to do over and we were incorporating all the best evidence, it would be less than one for everyone. And just remember that we actually live in obesity epidemic, particularly in the United States, particularly in our minority groups. And as it turns out, one of, there's two really good ways 
to stop yourself from metabolizing free fatty acids in your muscle and your heart. And that is to drink alcohol or eat sugar. So let's deal with number C. When people were eating sugar in large amounts, and this happened with a lot of my vegan colleagues, and it was really about 2014, the first time we saw outcomes data. And that's where that 10% comes from that ESC is talking about. Uh, it's an article in JAMA very clearly showing that if you have added sugars of more than 10% of your caloric intake, it increases your mortality. And the scary graph where it's exponential, the more you eat, the more you die. And so what is behind that? Well, it turns out that sugar does some of the bad things that you don't want as a cardiologist. Number one, it actually increases insulin levels. Insulin is a wonderful growth hormone which is not what our patients need. We don't need more central obesity, more insulin resistance, and more diabetes, which is basically what's happening uh, when your insulin levels are high. But insulin also has vascular effects. It increases vascular resistance and increases hypertension. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. You can make a multiple choice. You know, which of the following is true? Just, just taking one more than 50 grams of a soft drink increases which of the following? LDL, increases triglyceride, increases insulin level, decreases HDL, increases C-reactive protein, increases glycated LDL. That is the prothrombotic form of LDL. And it turns out that they're all true. And so these are things that when people are looking at sugar, they ought to look the other way. It may be sweet, but it's not sweet enough. Thank you so much, Dr. Williams and Anushka.